0: All right. Welcome everyone to the show. We are Drew and Katie Taylor with Catholic Link, and we are super excited to be having our guest on the show today, Father Mark Mary. So uh, if you guys are tuning in for the first time, we're Catholic Link. We are providing resources for the new evangelization to help you grow in your faith and be able to share it with others. Uh, And we are going to be talking about Father Mark Mary's new book, Habits for Holiness. So stay tuned. All right, Father Mark Mary, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, hello, Drew and Katie. Thanks for having me. Happy to be with you.
2: (laughs) Ah, it is our pleasure.
0: I know. So, for those of you guys who don't know, Father Mark Mary is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. He was ordained in 2018 and lives with the CFR Friary in the Bronx. He is the weekly host of the Ascension Presents YouTube, a co-host of the Poco to Poco podcast, and a Franciscan friar of the Renewal Communications Director. And in his spare time, he was the author of the book, Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Big Spiritual Progress, which is available now on Ascension Press. So Father Mark Mary, again, we are super happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Praise God that this all worked out. So uh, let's start off if uh, you could tell us a little bit about why are you Catholic? Why are you a Franciscan? Like, How did this all happen?
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. You sort of infer the reality that like one like from like to, to end up like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like like what's the something happened. Uh yeah. <laughs> like uh, one of the brothers had somebody sit next to him on the airplane, and he's like, uh, so like what like what is this? You know, we get that kind of question. Um so I'm from Southern California. So from from Orange County, California. Grew up uh, sort of like a, like a country club kid, you know, kind of uh, pretty pretty well off, and like literally a member at the country club, and um, you know, it, but like really, really good family, Catholic, Catholic family, um, parents. I have an older sister, and I kind of got involved with like youth ministry in high school, particularly because like the social side. But I just there was this thing that that kind of got me was um, like I had this like goal to be dynamic and like to be like well rounded, and what that I what that meant in the area of faith was like. Okay, you can you can go to mass. You definitely go to mass on Sunday. And um you can go like to youth group particularly like for fun and you can do like sort of like, you know, some work with the poor. But like don't get don't get crazy, you know? I don't don't get, <laughs> don't definitely get, weird don't get weird. yeah, yeah. Don't get yeah. weird. <laughs> and um and so like make you've got to be able to do, like do what everybody else is doing like Friday Saturday night. So basically it was like, yeah, like do some good things but um kind of like keep the faith kind of to the like in a in a in a box a little bit. It was in college. I went to Loyola Marymount University for a couple of years out of high school, which is kind of in L.A. And um, I was at a dorm party freshman year, and for the first time in my life, actually, I had stopped going to mass just out of apathy, not out of anything like not a, like I never was like a turn. It was just a slow kind of uh, movement away. And I had this conversation with a girl who said she was an atheist and I was like, how can you not believe? And I started defending the faith and it was, it was 100% the Lord just like rocked me with this deep conviction and, and just kind of spoke to my heart. Like basically was, I I believe in it. It needs to affect the rest of my life. Like, like I, Jesus wanted to come out of the box I'd put him in. And so, so the, like I just went, I was like, it really like broke me. And there was like tears and it was like, it was like a pretty dramatic moment. Um, And so that was like, I opened the doors wide for the Lord within a couple of weeks. I helped out with like a youth retreat. I heard somebody talk about mother Teresa. And again, the Lord rocked me. And I just knew I was like this burning desire that I was made to give my, like give my life to the poor. So the poor and nothing else would satisfy. Mm-hmm. And then as I learned about the sacraments, especially the Eucharist and confession, the desire to be a priest kind of welled up. And so I was looking for a place to serve the poor and, and be a priest. And it was, um, I was that In-N-Out Burger. You guys know In-N-Out Burger, right? Right. <laughs> it was at it was in an out Burger in Anaheim Hills, California, uh, just Spence. at like, some young adult meeting. And this kid was like a guy, I don't even remember his name. was like, yeah, there's this group of like hardcore Franciscans in New York and they sleep on the floor and whatever. And uh, I went home that night, looked, looked them up, read our constitutions. And it was like, this is, this is my heart on a piece of paper. This is everything I'm looking for. And um, so that was, I was, that all happened within probably six months, maybe a little bit less. And um, you know, I, I, did finish college and I did some missionary work and stuff. And I, I entered in when I was 24, but just the click, I just knew where I was headed at that moment.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love, uh, there's so many things that stand out to me. I love the, the holy two by four that just gets smacked across the face mm-hmm. sometimes, or even like, you know, you, you open your heart a, a little bit to the Lord and the Lord is just there waiting, like just waiting to bust through and just be a part of your life and and yeah. live radically for Jesus.
2: And I think that He was just knocking in the ordinary places. Like you were at mm-hmm. a party, you were at a not burger, but yet, like how He can still be present even yeah. in the world, I'm yeah, right there with you.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And one of my favorite examples of that is like Mother Teresa. Like Mother Teresa was on a train when she had that like big encounter with the Lord of like His thirst, and that's like where the missionaries of charity so it's like if, if we're open to him like he can he can speak to us anywhere
0: yeah okay. so how so where did the idea for this book habits for holiness come from how did that uh were you on a train and just like just...
1: it was not, not not quite that one not quite that one <laughs> this one was a little bit more organic but still i mean the fact that any of this that i'm involved with any of this is very much like its own story but um you know, I was in contact with Ascension. I've been doing stuff with them now, now for three years, and um, they basically pitched a book on simplicity, because like it's just like with, do you know the name like Maria Kondo?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So like minimalism and stuff like that. It's kind of like getting some momentum, and um, so they kind of picked that, pitched that book, and I was like, oh, like okay, um, like that is part of our life, but like to, I don't know that I could do like a whole book on it. But but like what if we put that in the context of everything else we do and sort of help make sense of it and flesh it out? Um because our call, right, is Franciscans isn't just to be poor. It's at the service of something deeper. And so the invitation was like to bring our readers like a little bit deeper as well.
0: Mm. I I really like I find it ironic when uh the culture latches onto these truths that I would put in a box that the catholic church has been doing for 2000 years you know they're like oh, like simplicity or fasting or mindfulness and we're just like yeah like that
1: yeah 100 <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100%. 100 i think the art i don't know that i'm great at it but the art of like a true evangelist kind of getting into the world is to be able to like find the good in that and then use that as like the open door to bring the the, the yeah. gospel in but there there are 100 a lot of opportunities like that right now
2: yeah I think that's such a good point on the simplicity of like, I can see why Ascension wanted that. And then when we read the book, how it fits in with the entire aspect of holiness, that it is it is one part, but it's how we live that out. And I think in the book, you talk about the idea that like detachment is a popular Catholic term, but at the point of detachment to attach ourselves yeah. to something higher, to a higher mm. purpose yeah. and meaning in that.
0: So speaking of the book, how does the book take some of these? Uh, I wouldn't even call them secular ideas, but like
2: eight hundred years of Franciscan <laughs> yeah, yeah. spirituality.
0: Yeah. Like how how, did, how does it mix? You know, some of the things that are popular in the culture today with the Franciscan characteristics and and tradition that you guys have.
1: Yeah, I think I think it does it um, probably implicitly as opposed to explicitly. Insofar as like the primary audience for is is are people who believe. Right, and so my my primary hope is to kind of encourage and inform those who do believe and want, because that's the thing. That's the, in a lot of ways, that's the question I'm trying to answer. Is there's people who are like, I love Jesus and I want to go all in and I want to serve Him radically, but I don't really know what that looks like, um, mm-hmm. because we don't have access to a ton of like examples for radical Christianity in the world, in the lay life, and so my hope was to take some of the principles of what we do. Um, and, and to communicate them as like, sort of like a handbook for holiness. Um, Mm -hmm. but again, that like, that's not making anything up insofar as for centuries, like third orders, like the lady have been learning from religious and monks, um, like, and having that inform their life. But, but to, to answer the question, kind of like, I think, I think with the work with the poor, I think that a secular world still can value that. I think simplicity, the secular world can still value that. Um, but a lot of a lot of the other stuff um, probably won't resonate the way I've communicated mm-hmm. at least with kind of the non-believer,
0: sure mm-hmm. but I uh, I want to go back to what you said about having an example of living radically for Christ because I, I think that's so important and and a lot of us who didn't grow up um, in radically Catholic homes or, or didn't have any examples of that, you know we We have this initial encounter with christ we have this this conversion or reversion and and then all of a sudden we start looking around going okay what do we do next like how where do we go from here and and i think that's why this book is such an important resource for people because it's 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 the next step it's you know now you've come to believe like you know maybe you're you're sorry you're going to church and then it's just like okay now what and and i what i really appreciated about the book was the the practicality of it the Mm -hmm how do I apply this stuff to our life?
2: Because I think it is inspiring to look at your life and Mm. say like, holy smokes, I want to live radically for Christ too. But then here's (laughs) my life. And (laughs) and how do I take (laughs) from where I am to where you are? And and I'm not called to a religious life. I Mm. am in a married vocation. And so how do I practically live that out? And I think the idea of not heading towards like scrupulosity or complacency and this like bringing in a real practical uh, speaking truth into that discernment mm-hmm. into how I live this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah. So thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you for writing this. Yeah.
1: Amen. Amen. And, and I think, right, like um, I think a lot of maybe where we get held up is I, I call it like that we don't have a sincerity problem. We have a strategy problem. Right, and there's a lot of people like they're like they're like totally in and they're totally sincere, yeah. but it's just like okay, what do I what do I actually do? And um, mm-hmm. so that and that's the hope, and also just like, uh, I don't know if if it's in in your world, but like a lot of folks, especially the parents, like they're they're a little bit like, or they're very discouraged or concerned, right? Like with the state of the world, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of like, okay, like like is it is it is there any hope of my children growing up? in in the faith or not and so i think that's why um i felt confident with the friars in so far as like basically our vocation like our thing our gig is is living in like kind of really like struggling areas like we started in mm-hmm. south bronx in 87 when it was like at its kind of its lowest like and it was it was you know it was just like a, a war zone basically mm-hmm. um but like by by having a prayer life having a structure having intentionality having community like we we can follow jesus and we can hand on the faith to those we love and so it was like it's hope my hope is that from our own example it's a source of Mm -hmm. encouragement and hope but also a source of like instruction and like um strategy as well
0: the it's man it's so important to to have that example i think being uh, in the Air Force in a fighter pilot, like we get trained in in strategy. and it's so important to have not only like the big picture of vision, but then be able to break it down in, into the what I would call the the tactical uh, piece of it. And you know how do we, in the day to day, this operation, this mission right now, how do we execute that? And that's what I was excited about in in reading the book, the and I, I think too, it sometimes if if you watch the news, it's it's easy to despair. It's easy to think, like the odds are just stacked against us and, and there's no way that our kids are going to be able to be Catholic when they grow up. But, but there's just a part of my heart that refuses to believe that God would put us in a time where we could not raise our kids to be saints. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I, I, I truly believe that in my core and in my heart, but there's like part of my mind that's like, I don't know how we're going to do that. I believe it, but yeah, the tactical piece is just, I don't know. And so, again, that's why I was so excited to to read the book was I, and Katie and I were, I, I mean, just frantically writing down notes of like, this is stuff that we can do. Like, oh, man, this is so good. We should send this to our friend. Uh, it was it was really awesome to read.
2: and I think the point of like not doing it out of fear, yeah, and the reality of today's culture. I and what we have going on right now, right around us. And when I look at like how I'm raising my kids, you know, and right now we're in the discernment of homeschooling. And I do not want to homeschool out of fear. Mm -hmm. I want to homeschool because I love them and I want them to grow up in an environment of love. And I believe that that where it might be where they learn the best. But the reality that I I don't want to retreat. Mm. Like we need to be in the world and to be light to the world. And the idea that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, that it not only has not overcome it, but it will not in the future. And this uh, just peace that we can have knowing that, you know, when we talk about prayer in the book, the idea that it is effective, that it has a absolute purpose, mm-hmm. especially when you need it with God. yeah so so
0: let's let's talk a little bit about yeah. that. So the first chapter that you wrote on was prayer, uh, which does not surprise me. Uh, and it was uh, it was really beautiful to read. I think uh, one of the questions that you talked about was kind of fitting in your holy hour. You talked a little bit about the daily schedule for the Franciscans, and then uh, you know, you talked about an example of you had a really long uh, day. I think you guys were filming. And uh, you were trying to figure out where you could fit in your holy hour. uh, And you were leaning towards like, ah, well, we we might not have time, you know, the practicality, Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then when your brother said, yeah, it's going to be a really long day. We're going to need that prayer time. We'll need it to keep us going. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you kind of equate it to a a marathon that that, that not praying would be like gearing up for a marathon, but saying, I don't have time to eat or drink because I've got a marathon to run, which Mm -hmm. when you put it in that way, you're like, yeah it doesn't make any sense at all so i don't know talk, talk to us a little bit about uh, just the importance of prayer and and how we can live that out as as lay men and women
1: yeah yeah thank you i think and that's that it's the heart of our life and it's the heart i was like the friar so we say but it's also the heart of the life of the christian is um like it's just the reality is like we like prayer prayer and like praying every day is not optional um having like having a relationship with the lord every day that's it's literally it's not optional and um, you know, the catechism uses like extremely strong language when they talk about it. They quote St. Alphonso Ligori and it says, like, those who pray are surely saved, and those who don't are surely damned. And it's basically it's it's like those those who those who eat and drink will surely live, and those who don't yeah. eat and drink will surely die. It's like it's just uh the, the spiritual life's the real life. And if it's not fed, then then it it dies. Um, you know, like I share my own story. I didn't stop practicing the faith for that time in college out of like a very active choice just because Mm -hmm. But it was because I just stopped praying. I I just like Mm -hmm. kind of um, I just stopped feeding the spiritual life and then slowly it died. And, um, you know, it's I I feel this is what I feel like super strongly about this. And this is just kind of what I want to keep saying again and again and again is is um, like the first battle we all have to fight as Christians is the fight, the battle to have some time of prayer every day. Um, and you know, there's like, there are a lot of, there's a lot going on, but mm-hmm. that like, again, that like, that doesn't justify us not praying. It just, it makes all the more important that we are. We can be creative with it. What it looks like for me is going to be different than what it looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's gotta be a part of our, our daily rhythm and, and maybe just lastly, right. Cause this is, this does, it like totally gets me fired up because we <laughs> like, and I get it like we can spend so much time talking about other really important things like even mm-hmm. in the faith and learning all these lessons all this sort of stuff yeah. but if we're not if we're not praying mm-hmm. all of this is like like it's just out of order And, yeah. so, and so I just I f- yeah I feel that super strongly.
2: I think the idea that this is where our foundation is going to be that this is what matters above all else is so important to keep coming back to you. And so I do appreciate that that is the first chapter mm-hmm. and this idea that I, so you talked a little bit about like, I bet you'd be surprised how much time you had to pray. Yeah, I love that. And the like ways that we can sanctify different time periods. So like our day, our week, our month and our year, I, can you expand a little bit about how we could practically do that?
1: Yeah. I, and again, it, it's, Ideally, this is something that like you could work out with somebody one-on-one, you know, but um, and, and then there's always the curveball. The curveball is the parent who has children who are like waking up at unscheduled hours. Right. Like that's that that is the curveball. Right. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and so I say that because like, that is that is a thing. And there is there is a season of learning to pray as a parent, which is like it's of, of kind of young children that's different than kind of other parts of our life. Which is part of why it's so important for us to pray before that happens, so that we kind of have a foundation. But um, I think, I mean, if you look, and this is this is like again, this is like a working hypothesis that I'm pretty strong about is like if you look at um, religious and like monks, and and I and I choose them because these are people who who have received a patrimony that in some cases is like 1,700 years old, um, mm-hmm. who are like all in all the time. In, in sort of like experts of spirituality and humanity across generations, across centuries, across cultures. Like if they all have something in common, I would pay attention to it. And one of the things that all of these groups, you, I don't think you'll find, I mean, I, you won't find one that doesn't have this in common is they all begin their day with prayer. Mm-hmm. Like they, they all, they all kind of like essentially are morning people. Like they all <laughs> make, make the sacrifices and orient their schedules around getting like, a privileged time of prayer in the morning and so that could like for us that looks like two and a half hours mm-hmm. for for you for the person especially someone who's not praying that could be five minutes mm-hmm. but that's like if, if you're not praying to five minutes like that's a beautiful first step um yeah. so that that would be that would be the encouragement but it, i don't know like as parents with young children like what do, what do you think of like when can you pray like how does that work
2: I really think that also in looking at the tradition of the liturgy of the hours, uh, the idea that we should have small breakouts throughout our day. And it's one of the things that I like constantly fought for if it was like an hour in the morning and realizing that that like is not going to happen or be as fruitful because my kids like need my attention and they need breakfast and they're awake and like the world's melting down and like, yes, I can sit there for 15 minutes easy and pray. but. Looking for like two and a half hours, ugh, right. unrealistic. Uh, so how do I accomplish reorienting my day? Because even if I have that solid 15, 30 minutes in the morning on and miracle of the day, the reality that I am going to run out of grace and like I – of my orientation towards God, like God's grace is always there and always present. But the reality that I am going to run out of steam on my own, that Christ is going to have to fill in because I'm just going to offer empty hands by about nine Um, (laughs) (laughs) o'clock in the morning. And so this idea that I have to do these constant small breakouts. And so for me, realizing that five minutes at 9 a.m., five minutes at noon, Five minutes at you know 115. I've only made it an hour. Um, and then like to keep coming back intentionally. And so actually, what went off when I was talking was my alarm <laughs> telling me to pray. Um, and so I was like, uh, 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 phone <laughs> alarm going off because it's a constant, like, hey, I need something concrete to pull me back in. Mm-hmm. Ideally, my interior life is to a point where it's growing that I can maybe. Turn every little thing into a prayer, but those yeah. intentional blocks also being spread out.
0: Yeah, and and you talk to—I love the the imagery of uh, how would someone know that you're Catholic? You know, we um, you know we've talked about with our Bible studies, like if someone were to watch your day for twenty four hours, would they know that you're a Christian, that you're a Catholic, that that your life has been radically changed by Christ, or does it look the same as every, as your neighbors, you know, who don't believe in? Especially
2: God? if it was like a Monday.
0: Yeah. Especially if it's not Sunday. Okay. Uh, and so, I, but as a, just a, a word of encouragement to our listeners, the it's important to realize too that your prayer life is going to, it's going to look different from what you guys do. Now we can learn a ton of lessons from you guys. And I think that's super important, but I it's also going to look different between your phases of life. So, you know, whether you're in high school or college or you're a young adult or young professional, or you're engaged, or you're just married, or you have kids, like, those different phases of your life potentially could um, change how your prayer looks. But regardless, you're still going to have to fight for Mm -hmm. to pray because you because no one ever died of hunger from just being too busy to eat. Like we need that food. And so I I guess just personally, in our own life, we have found that I loved to pray in the morning. I, I loved to get up, you know, when we were uh, single or engaged or when we were just married and and I would have breakfast and I would just pray. and that was kind of like my my center, my life, and and the rest of the day would go. Um, and now we have three kids, and at any given time, one of them's up in the middle of the night, and then they all wake up at four forty five and and they're ready to go. And so uh, so it's it's very hard to get that peaceful time in the morning. So instead, I might, you know, consecrate uh, just a tiny bit of my morning, try to get five minutes in the morning. But then my my true uh, reflective prayer in the scriptures is at night, um, mm-hmm. which I, in, in a way is not
2: um, ideal. I, yeah,
0: it's, I, I don't prefer it that way, but that's that's the vocation that God has given yeah. to me right now. Um, and then. That potentially can change later on. So,
1: yeah, and I think that's it's important. It's like great, like, um, like there's a grace given to your particular vocation and the particular mm-hmm. season of it, you know, and and so like if you're showing up later at night. And like, you're just tired and you can't put the same time and energy into it. Like you're still there loving the Lord with all your strength, right? Like your strength mm-hmm. isn't where you'd want it to be or where it might be early in the morning. But that's because of your fidelity to his, to, to like what he has entrusted to you, which are your children, right? And so like, like what's most important in our sacrifice is that it's the sacrifice like that the Lord wants. Like it's not like, yeah, yeah, right. you know what I mean? It's it's the Lord accepts the loaves and the fish. He, he accepts the two coins, you know, like as long as we just kind of give them our best, um, mm-hmm. like sincerely, I think I think that's an acceptable sacrifice
0: for sure. Yeah, you you bring up as well in in the book the idea of of distractions in prayer, and I, I think this is super important. Maybe for for us and, and for our listeners to take a step back and and just analyze how they spend their day um, and how much we are controlled and distracted by. Outside influences by our cell phones, by the media, uh, by all of these different things, and so what? What, what did you say? The I, you'd, you'd be surprised
2: how much how much you time. Can actually yeah, yeah, you
0: actually have during the day because when you look at your day, we all have the same amount of hours in the day. Yes, mm-hmm. a, a lot of our day is taken up by our our children and our jobs or our other obligations. But um, I think about how much time do we spend on Facebook or Instagram or you know. And before we've even prayed. So I don't know. Can you touch on that as far as like, um, you know, I, I, the the theme of your book isn't to just like retreat from the world altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has to be some sort of uh, chopping out the distractions. So how does that work?
1: Yeah. And so there is there's a priority and there's a first things first. Right. And keeping mm-hmm. the main thing, the main thing, which is like relationship with the Lord. And so that that is where we want to begin. And actually it hit home. When I was doing a uh, like something like this with a couple of like college students, and they're like, Okay, like what's your prayer life look like? It's like, well, you know, we pray about four or five hours a day. And immediately there was almost like shock, like, how is that possible? <laughs> but according to the numbers, from what I can tell, like like I don't know if it's like 20, 30 year olds, whatever, like average screen time is around four or five hours. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. average screen time for a friar is like zero minutes for like a couple <laughs> of us but average yeah. prayer time is 4 or 5 minutes or 4 or 5 hours you know yeah. and so like um i do think that there's space for like mm-hmm. a very honest reflection because that's that's the concern for me with with the the phone is not it's just because there's always something easier and more interesting to do than prayer mm-hmm. and um and and that's like that we're losing a lot of battles because we're losing that battle first like for sure
2: mm-hmm. yeah the way to put it down. I, On a similar conversation, one of the quotes that just really struck me was the idea that the family will save the world. I, and I think just hearing you talk about that a little bit would give me some inspiration. <laughs> yes. Or,
1: yeah, absolutely. And again, that's kind of like – that's my um, sort of almost like re- rebuttal. I don't know if I didn't want to use that strong language to – to the people kind of throwing out Dostoevsky's Dostoevsky's beauty will save the world. is Mm -hmm. like people love, people love to throw it out because it's like the idea is like kind of like pretty and cute and like, but it's, (laughs) but it's like, okay, uh, is that, is that true? Mm -hmm. Like that'd be nice, but is it true? Or what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And so my, my kind of nuance to it would be that like, uh, not necessarily like beauty, like, cause not like art or sacred music or whatever, like that those have Mm -hmm. a part to play, but I at the end of the day. um, What I most desire is relationship. Mm -hmm. Like what I most desire is to be known and to be loved and to have an opportunity to know and to love like what I, and so um, and like what heaven is like the greatest joy of heaven is, is relationship with the Holy Trinity um, and with one another there's going to be beauty and there's going to be all this sort of stuff, angels singing, but those are, those are secondary to the greatest joy of heaven, which again, is this relationship. And it is. Um, and, and so I think that's just super important is, um, and, and there's a lot of ways to it, but just, I think um, to prioritize relationships. And that, that mm-hmm. begins with the Lord um, that flows into our, our families, but also, and then from our families, like to allow, to live like family towards others Again, like um, we all share a common father, and the more that we enter into that reality, the more we know who we are, and the more we know who our neighbor is, and that um, kind of re—if like that—that that just um, gives a different meaning and depth of meaning to uh, to our, our relationships with those around us. Um, but it's fascinating because I've talked about this as well, and um, for some people, this is hard because. Family, if, especially if a, a, a hard family situation, like the mm-hmm. idea that family is this important, um, can trigger you a little
0: bit. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's a good point. I think there are two sides of that coin. Uh, mm-hmm. There is the community that you live in, that the brothers, and you know our marriage that is life giving in all reality. But then the opposite side of that, of the sanctification side of the I. Love my children. I love being a mom, but if it wasn't for the faith, it would be harder. Like it would be because they are sanctifying me. If I couldn't see this mm-hmm. as something that was purifying me, and so in those tough family situations, and you know, coming from a broken family, and definitely a, a difficult scars of my childhood. In that, the reality that that can be turned to the glory of God, that I ultimately is leading myself, them, hopefully, I, to the salvation of the whole world, uniting that as a sacrifice um, and realizing that God still loves mm-hmm. me in that even when I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. I Just this last – I don't know, maybe it was two nights ago, three nights ago. I was reading in the catechism in the first chapter, and it's the first paragraph, and it says like – God created in goodness, like in a plan of sheer goodness and love, and He is always drawing closer to us everywhere and in any space. And I think this reality that like even in the difficulties of our families um, and if that is a place of trigger, that He's calling us for healing to know Him um, – yeah. I think that that's an important because it's easy. Like I want to hear how the brothers sanctify you, like how, how they push you forward in like a good mm-hmm. and holy way, yeah. but also to acknowledge that that can be a place of, of scars. But I would like to hear a little bit about how <laughs> yeah. they <think> that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I think, um, just kind of to, to flesh it out a little bit. I do th- like one of our, our priests, Father Glenn, one of our founders, he has this line, which I think makes a lot of sense. As he says, like, um, like blood is thicker than water but grace is thicker than blood. And this mm-hmm. this idea that um, part of why the church living as family, as family united under one heavenly father is so important is because that is where we can have like the redemption and the healing that we need from the brokenness from our natural father's mother's relationships is it's, it's part of the work of the church to um to provide the grace and the healing for where those those wounds have happened um mm-hmm. and and that I think that's important as well it's why like for mom and dad like parents like are still imperfect people and you can do incredible jobs but you're still going to do an imperfect job but it's if you, <laughs> you, but if you but if you if you bring them to a relationship with the Lord and the church you um you've provided them the space and the relationship where like whatever was lacking is going to be able to be like addressed and healed. Um because that's like where and that's again that's why it's so important that grace is in our, our marriages, because where we have struggles as husband and wife. Like we need grace to fill the gap. And that's the same for kids. And so that's why um I do think that the faith, the Lord, the church's family is so important. Um I'll share this one more like one more example of what this looks like and then kind of how this looks for the brothers is it, it kind of struck me with our homeless shelter. We have a shelter in the Bronx. And one of the, the questions people ask is like, like they kind of like, so like, what's like, why does somebody end up there? Like what's the normal situation? And the assumption is, is pretty much always like drugs and alcohol and, and substances, substance abuse is part of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's certainly like not the majority. Um, you know, there's substance abuse. There's there's people coming from other countries with nobody here, um, or there's like maybe some mental illness. But like the most common thread is broken family. Like the mm-hmm. reason the reason that they're ending up having to go to a homeless shelter is because they didn't have a family situation um, where they could like kind of as a safety net. But yeah. that's the thing. Like the church, and particularly the service as the brothers has as family has provided the safety net, which natural family is meant to provide. And um, and that's true for these men, but it can also be true for those of us who, again, like can't fall back on our biological moms or dads to support us, mm-hmm. that the church um, in community well-lived um, can provide those types of sort of safety nets or other people. Um, so that's kind of, that's, that's one thing it looks like. Before answering sort of the more like Katie's question, do you guys have any responses to that or thoughts? Uh,
0: no, I, uh, it's so beautiful to see the complementarity of our vocations where, um, yes, I, we are called um, to be a, a family, you know, in, in the parish in a sense, but, but in, in a very real and concrete way. And I would say primarily we are called to, um, to try to raise our three little children as best as we possibly can to, to bring them to know the Lord. Um, whereas it's beautiful to see you guys who, uh, how fill in the gaps in a way, or, you know, like these people that, um, that don't have those families can, can still come to find, um, man, just that, that love and that fatherhood, um, through you guys. I, I, I just think about, we, we were stationed overseas for, for almost five years and, um, I deployed and, and we traveled a lot, um, and, in any country that we went into uh you know we were in germany for for three years in south korea for almost two years and uh you know in in, in europe you can just walk into any city and, and you just look at the tallest building and you go that's that's the catholic church and then and then you show they don't have any times posted of when masses because it's been at like nine o'clock for the last you know thousand years mm-hmm. um so 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 you so you walk so you show up on sunday and and even though you don't understand the liturgy, you just feel home because because you just know what's going on. And there's such the universal church and the universal family. the the idea or the identity of family is so so important uh in today's society. Just in our faith, it's so central to everything.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I think too in kind of this idea that. We can do the best that we're going to do, that there's twofold here. So there's God is going to like fill in and love us in ways that we need healing. And then also as I go forward and we look at our world and you talk a little bit about anxiety in the book, we have a world that is – is anxious and is afraid. And in parenting, that can magnify of like, how am I going to raise those saints? Like, how am I going to protect my kids? How am I going to be the best parent? And realizing that like, God is the best father in the entire Mm -hmm. way He is the best father. (laughs) Um, And this idea that we as children turn away from him. And so like knowing that I am going to scar them Because like I am imperfect, like I'm I'm a mess, and I've got my own issues, and this. But like, how do I, in that temptation of anxiety, turn that over to the Lord and allow Him to fill in those gaps? And I think to allow, like you as a spiritual father, to those men who have ended up in that shelter, um, is beautiful, Mm -hmm. and to also know, you know, I pray to the Lord. That that's not where my children need to have that spiritual fathership granted right. to them, but knowing that our priest can do that, that our Lord can do that, that Jesus can come in and uh, I I want to lay my children at his altar, that I don't want to try to control that um, because I don't know how to do it, but I trust that yeah. he does.
1: Yeah. Amen. And it's I have a pretty good feel that you're doing a pretty good job of what you're here supposed to be doing you know so try yeah yeah, <laughs> I, 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 yeah that's that's it. that's it
2: little by little yeah that's right
0: Amen. <laughs> so you you're, you're yes. saying you had a, an yeah. example of just living in community with with the brothers yeah
1: yeah and so right. like um there's a lot of like family and community it looks like different things in different phases and stuff and and it was it was interesting um cuz i remember when i was discerning my vocation is I, I felt like um, like diocesan priesthood in many ways actually was like a better fit for my gifts, but that uh, religious life was a better sort of protection for my weaknesses. Um, mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like if at the end of the day, like... I, I need to get to heaven right Like at the end of the day like uh, the Lord calls us to a vocation for our salvation. And so I really look to my brothers as an instrument of God saving me and um, th- I, this I wasn't going to go here but I'll, I've been I have, <laughs> Send it. I'm very um, I'm very con- convicted of this actually is um, that probably the best insight we have into what purgatory actually is is community life.
0: Nice, <laughs>
1: um, and that includes family life because it's like yeah. the joke about community life is it's um it's like the greatest joy of being a friar, but it's also like the greatest penance of being a friar, and <laughs> and that's what we talk about like like purgatory as the place of like there's no greater joy, but there's also no greater purification or suffering, because mm-hmm. it's just like because you're in community and this is a place where I have relationship and I have brothers and I have friendship, um, but also I have this kind of intense experience of people with different personalities, different temperaments, different ideas, different goals. Um, our strengths can can enrich each other's strengths, but our, our weaknesses are also going to confront each other's weaknesses. And so it's in this space, um, it's in this space that the Lord does like his best work of, of forming me and of ultimately like transforming me, which is what salvation really looks like. And um, so I like, I use the example of, like how, how one like makes like a, a sword, like you put it in like the forge, it gets all hot mm-hmm. and that's our prayer, right? Is if we're in prayer, we're in relationship, we kind of stay hot. So we stay sort of uh, malleable, but that like the way the Lord's like the hammer hits are going to come are from community life. And it's going to come from our kids. It's going to come from our husband and wife. It's going to come from our brothers, our coworkers, things, our parents, our, our new, whatever it is like, but if we're, if we're in relationship with the Lord, we're in relationship with each other, like that stuff can be formative as opposed to just like totally break us down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The man, it's so good. And, uh, I wanted to encourage our listeners. I've been thinking about this a lot of, of, especially if you have uh, families where it's, it's not our job to get our kids to heaven. I can't force them to go to heaven. The best that I can do is lead them to heaven. I, I can walk this path of holiness the best that I can. And it's, it's not going to be straight and I'm going to be doing, you know, I'm going to just be blind and lost and, and be hoping, but ultimately I'm, I'm going to open myself up as much as I can to the grace of God and, and, and um, pray that, uh, you know, that he has mercy on me who who is just a sinner um, and, and I can lead them and show them in that way, the, the best that I can. So, so, I would say it's not my job to get them to heaven. It's my job to lead them to heaven, but more so it's actually God put them in my life for them to lead me to heaven because that's my vocation is through Katie is through our kids is to sanctify me. It's to break me of my selfishness of which there's a lot and to break me of my pride of which there is a ton and is, and that's how he does it. That's, that's the hammer blows. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I love the analogy of the sword because Opening ourselves up to God's grace and mercy is is putting us in the fire and making us malleable. And the hits are, they're going to come we, <laughs> no matter what. And so, but it's being open to the grace of God that allows us to be formed, to be, you know, worked into a masterpiece instead of broken and shattered mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. scarred. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I think in the book, you do a really good job of explaining to the idea of like using this. To sanctify us, and how like we don't need to add extra hits if we have not yet come to embrace the <laughs> hits that we're getting, enjoy yeah. in in a way that is authentic and provocative mm-hmm. that brings about people to question why in the world I like getting hit, um, <laughs> like or seem to. I but this idea of how I take those and unite them to the cross and ultimately lead not only to my sanctification but the whole world. I think is just mm-hmm. beautiful
1: amen yeah yeah i love that and I, I just to kind of jump on that is i do think that um life's hard you know what i mean like it is life's hard and we talk we in the we call this like the valley of tears in the salvage regina right and that's a real thing it's all in world and um so like i think we just don't need we don't need to make it harder on ourselves than it already is <laughs> um and so probably like the first struggle like the first sort of battle, again, is just to make sure that we're in that relationship with the Lord so that uh, he can help us carry whatever I like, can and navigate whatever life's thrown at us. And also that that relationship keeps these things that are going to come and hit us formative, transformative, uh, redemptive, as opposed to just hammer blows, which hurt, yeah. you know, <laughs>
2: Uh, On another topic in the book, I think that the Franciscan way of life, one of the things that is radical about it is your like a call to serve the poor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think this is not radical actually. And that's probably one of the things that like most struck my heart is it's easy for me to say like, that's not my mission. Like there mm-hmm. are tons of evils in the world and tons of injustices. Like that's the one that like, maybe like I am like kind of called to, but it's way over here on the side. And this reality that that's not congruent with scripture, mm-hmm. that's not congruent with what Christ said. And this reality that I am called to love the poorest of the poor, that I am called to do something. And I think you did a fantastic job in giving some practicals. We had a question actually mm-hmm. from one of the people I watching right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, Taylor B Health talked a little bit about how you can incorporate poverty into your life as a family and a lay person. And so kind of how we live out that poverty and then in turn, how we love the poor through that.
1: Great, great. Father. Yeah, so um, I'll treat them as different questions. I'll I'll answer Taylor's first, and I'll I'll come back to the mission to the poor. And again, like I, that that's how I I organize the book because I do think we start at like what's most important is is our life, our way of life, our form of life, which includes like who we're in love with, family, um, and then things like simplicity. For me, just we want to keep the end in mind. As, as you referenced earlier, is we we oftentimes are slightly we can use a little bit of adjustment on how we talk about like detachment in the Christian, Christian space because I just don't think that like absolute detachment is really a Christian virtue. It's always attachment for mm-hmm. higher good, and and our simplicity is at the service of intimacy. Like why we choose simplicity, it's a protective. And it it creates this culture and the space for our relationships. And so that's that's what I think we want to look at first is um, we as human beings have limited time, limited resources, all that sort of stuff. And how much time and energy are we putting into accumulation of unnecessary uh, experiences, material possessions, um, et cetera? Um, And would that time and that energy be better served? In kind of a more direct, sort of um, directed towards relationships, towards prayer, towards family, towards community, things like that. So but I think that's kind of why we why we want to talk about it and why it is a thing for the laity. Um, you know, I think I hate to do that, but like the most practical thing, and helpful thing, probably is I put together like a basically, we do a poverty check four times a year. I, I call it contentment like in the in the book. Um, but I think like so there's just like a list of like, okay, like, um, what would really be a simple one? It's like, what, what like, had contact before how are my relationships? Am I spending time on things unnecessarily? Do I have a budget? Am I keeping to a budget? I like, think things like that. Um, maybe, maybe even most specifically something that helps for this is I, I'm a huge fan of, of a, a charity called Mary's Meals. Have you heard of Mary's Meals before?
2: Mm-hmm. We have, yeah.
1: So, so Mary's Meals right? if about 1.6 million children a day um, in their education for 21 dollars. You can feed a child for the entire year, and it's it was founded by a guy named Magnus, who's like a good Catholic guy, friend of the Friars. um and so basically, like, one thing you do with this is like, okay, I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna try to sponsor one child a week. And so, what I'm gonna do then is I'm gonna look at. Uh, what are like, what is the way in which I can save an extra 21 dollars a week? Mm-hmm. And, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna give that to the poor. So we're not just attaching and not just buying fancy coffee, not buying fancy coffee. We're doing it at the service of serving the And we just kind of like be creative and intentional. Okay, like, uh, th- I normally spend $10 on coffee, um, and then like, whatever, maybe an extra $12 on, on this type of cheese instead of that type of cheese so, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know i like, yeah. just like to, to do that little adjustment thing like i could i'm gonna buy the whatever the store brand yogurt instead of like the fancy yogurt mm-hmm. and like you just do a couple things like that it's super practical it gets you thinking it keeps you mindful of the poor um and i think that would be a, that'd be an interesting way to start
2: I do. Yeah. I think that that's so important to highlight like why we have a budget and yeah. a lot of the things in the book you talk about what we eat and how we exercise and how like all of these different and bring them back. To our why in Christ in that lens that it's not to fit into my size two jeans that I'm going to cut out coffee like you know like I cut out the fancy coffees black coffee would probably help but Mm -hmm. that's you know but this reality of like how do I bring the intentionality of that poverty and so to have that budget Mm -hmm. to then go back and look intentionally and go huh I went to like Starbucks four times this week was that really necessary like you know was Mm -hmm. that um, but when I think it's easy to in a day's end of life and just going through is uh, too much on our plates.
0: Uh-huh. It can
2: easily spin out of control, and then we lack that understanding. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. gonna be able to see that. Yeah,
0: and we'll uh, go ahead. Yeah.
1: I was gonna say, and I think that's that could be like a cool th- th- thing to do with like family as well as like. Uh, you know, I don't know how at a certain page where you can like start to talk with kids and start to form mm-hmm. them. It's like, OK, you know, we we have a mission as a family that we want to sponsor one child um, mm-hmm. a week. Like what what should we you know, you have this meeting like Sunday, you know, maybe Sunday after mass. OK, so what are we going to do this week different so that we can make this donation? Right. And that it forms your children. It, it, it passes on a heart for the poor as well. I think that could be like a really beautiful practice.
0: Yeah. He, the answer to your question is very young. you can you can do a lot of that stuff and just start introducing it when they're very young. Yeah. they understand helping other people and
2: and they can also understand somebody who has no toys yeah like mm-hmm. that is something that is like what? no toys, no toys? Yeah. like we must go and buy them a toy like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is and so they they can understand the amount of excess they have and the amount that somebody may not
0: have yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah uh we so we are getting close to an hour we'll go uh speed one more question and then uh we'll close up here so this is from william uh, a nice softball for you how would you say the best way to spread the gospel as a teenager in a non-christian country
1: yeah great and i think it's it's gonna be the same pretty much in any space is number one you have to you have to be who you say you are you know what i mean you have to be a disciple mm-hmm. of jesus and so i think first and foremost um having a life of prayer. Um and then and like doing things like go to mass on Sunday, doing things like occasionally serve the poor if if you know if, if you have that space. Like because so you 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 and then the second, so I'd say like follow Jesus, pray, things like that. Like number two is I think um I think like a, a really kind of cool thing is like if you cut out cussing or you mm-hmm. cut out gossiping, something like that, that's a really beautiful to offer, like a prophetic witness in the world. So that at some point, someone's like, like, hey, like, William, I noticed that, like, um, I noticed that like, you don't really, like, swear, like, what with that? And then that's, like, a, that that's kind of, like, provokes in them a question in trust and confidence. Like, like you know, I'm just I'm a follower of Jesus, and, like, I'm trying to, like, you know, to speak ways, like, speaking, like, grow with my faith and to, to honor the good, the beautiful, the true, all that sort of stuff. And so, like, I just don't really want want to um something like that or i i really do think like being somebody who doesn't gossip about others so that when people people lose that right and so then when somebody has a struggle and they have an issue like who are they more likely to go to they're more likely to go to the guy who does gossip and who speaks mm. positively about this and then it's like you become in that space you love them when you're a christian it's in the name of jesus like, that isn't a beautiful experience of christ in the church for them and that's a beautiful way to bring people bring people in so i would, I would say something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think that that uh, authentic reality of being yourself and then i think the provocative side i like i liked that word in the book i think it's an important idea to realize that we want to live lives that provoke questions, that Mm -hmm. uh, call people into community. And you talked a little bit about like not answering questions that aren't being asked. And I think that reality of like (laughs) just having the conversation to lead with listening, to come and love on the other first and foremost uh, is the root of evangelization. That actually evangelization is not apologetics. Mm -hmm. Initially, it is loving the other. Uh, It's really showing Christ to them uh, is the first and most pivotal step. I mm-hmm. uh, with yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, he's gone. We lost him. <laughs> we have lost Father Mark <laughs> Mary. Uh, so we I uh, will see if he rejoins. I don't mm-hmm. know if he can even do that. But the <laughs> aspect of it. thank you all for watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, please make sure to subscribe. If you have more questions, go ahead and leave them. We'll be continuing to connect with Father Mark Mary mm-hmm. in the future. Uh, and share this video with somebody that needs to know a little bit about how to grow in Habits for Holiness. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more from Father Mark Mary, make sure to check out uh, his book, definitely. Uh, we will leave a link for it in the description below and then go, I, I think it's for pre-order right now, but I think it's supposed to ship next week, which is mm-hmm. super exciting and he also can be found on his podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, the ascension presents weekly video and so we just really want to thank father mark mary for Mm -hmm. coming on i and just thank you for listening in we're praying for you
0: praying for you guys until next time we are excited to help you grow in holiness to help you reach new heights in your faith and then help you be able to share it with others so